I'm your host, Matt Bergman, and welcome to From the Hawk's Nest. Today, my guest is Courtney Boyd, the head women's basketball coach here at Quincy University, and she's in her first season at QU. And Courtney, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, before we talk about the women's basketball team and your your brief time at QU, let's talk back uh, about your early days playing basketball and how you got into coaching. And you're a tri-state native just up the road in, in Keokuk, Iowa. When did you first get started with that interest in basketball? I was really young. And the older I get, I think the, the years of when I thought I started and maybe when I did start it have probably changed. But about third grade. Uh, I started to play, you know, going to the YMCA and playing, just running around and throwing the ball around, not knowing what's going on. In fifth grade, I I remember our team being pretty good. We somewhere, somehow, I couldn't tell you where it was, but we, we ended up winning a championship of some sort. And I think that that's kind of when it took off. I, I liked the adrenaline rush and whatever that means for a fifth grader. I know that I like <laughs> the competitive piece. And there, there were a lot of things to be said about the group of people that I was able to spend time around. And honestly, that's probably what I carried through most um, was the people. Even in fifth grade, it, it, you go to school, you get to hang out with your, your teammates. Um, it's just kind of a, a makeshift family in a way. So a third grade would be what my memory today serves me as. Ask me tomorrow. It may be a little <laughs> bit different. Well, when you were in grade school, maybe even high school, was Quincy University women's basketball a team that you you followed? It was. And when I was in high school, this was the place to be. If you wanted to be a Division II competitive athlete, this is the place to go. Actually, uh, full disclosure, I was recruited here, and I thought that I was one of those people that wanted to go further from home. In hindsight's twenty twenty, um, here I am, not further from home. And had I made the decision, you know, when I was in high school, um, my my route would have maybe looked a little bit different. But I really, in high school, this was this was a competitive uh, women's basketball town. I do think that they support basketball, both men's and women's. And I think that there's something to be said about the time that I was able to make it back to Quincy and be part of the Quincy women's basketball program, uh, especially with women's basketball on the on the move up and up right now. So it's an exciting time, and we're hoping to be able to do the same that a couple other programs have been able to do in the last couple of years. Well, let's let's walk through that. You mentioned, um, you know, that after high school, you you looked at maybe staying close to home, but the, but you ultimately opted to go farther away. So tell us about where you played college ball. So once I graduated, I ended up going to junior college Kirkwood, uh, Kirkwood Community College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I went there um, honestly because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to study, but I knew that I wanted to play basketball, as, how, as bad as that sounds. Um, they had a very successful program. They had a very uh, successful veteran coach, and I knew that I wasn't at the top of my game, and there were conversations that I had with that coach that he told me that, you know, we'll develop you as much as we can, but we think that you can go and do better things than what you're doing or what you would be able to do right out of high school. So I started out at Kirkwood Community College for two years. Uh, My freshman year, I came off the bench uh, as a point guard, and we were able, we were the runners up uh, in the nation when I was there. So we came in second, unfortunately, fell a little bit short in my sophomore year. um, The point guard, the other point guard and myself, depending on the matchup and our opponent, um, we both started. It was almost every other game, as ironic as that ended up being. 
But we ended up winning the national championship that year, and that helped a lot of us be recruited elsewhere. And from Kirkwood, I went out to Utah. I went out to St. George, Utah, and it, it was Dixie State at the time. It's now Utah Tech. So it was a Division II, NCAA Division II out there. They just recently moved to NCAA Division I, Utah Tech. Uh, I got my education, elementary education degree out there, and um, – it's crazy how the Midwest works, but my assistant was from the mid, both of my, my head coach and my assistant were from the Midwest. The assistant coach went to Kirkwood and there were three <laughs> people from the Iowa, Nebraska and Dakota's area that went, went out there and played as well. So I think us Midwest people really just like to stick together. We just, we just thought that the further we went from home, maybe we'd leave other people behind, but we all follow each other anyway. So I ended up back here. Well, while you were at Dixie State, um, you were the captain of the women's basketball team, and you also set a school record. Tell us about that. Being the captain comes with a lot of things. Um, going in, I came in as a junior, so there were obviously players that had been there for two, three, even four years, and I came in for my first year as an upperclassman. So there's something to be said about being able to come in and earn the trust of your teammates right away. I came in as a freshman as far as playing with them, but I came in as a junior as far as playing the game at the college level. So um, the the coaches had to have had trust in me. They had to have had to have had faith in what I was doing to in order to allow me to be a captain. But then you you had to show up every night. When you have the captain title, you don't always have to score the most or you know set records or do those types of things. But you can't lack in your communication and your effort and your approach to each night practice and games. So um, I, I think that I really took pride in that. And obviously there's something, there's something that goes along with wanting to do this crazy profession that we call coaching. And I think the, the captain, you know, being named captain and being on that team at the point guard position is probably what, what ultimately um, told me that this is what I wanted to do as a profession. Setting the record, um, I don't know. I really wasn't a scoring point guard, so it kind of came as a shock. And that game, uh, our post player wasn't having the game that she normally does, and I really didn't want to lose. So I shot it a little bit more. I was a distributing point guard. I, I really liked to, you know, make the make the ooh and ah pass so somebody else could score it. But that game, I had nobody to pass to. She wasn't making baskets. So I decided to uh, shoot the three a couple of times, and luckily for me, they went in. Uh, that many threes in one game has never happened to me, obviously, since. And I don't know if I've even come within three of that record. So it, it was a night. Uh, it was definitely a night to remember. It was, it was a fun game. But uh, there, there's from a point guard that can knock down that many threes, hopefully somebody, somebody else is bringing something to the table to make sure that that win happens as well. Well, you came to QU uh, last year from a successful six-year coaching tenure at Clark University up in Dubuque, Iowa. What did you take away from your time at Clark that you're bringing to QU? Time. Everything takes time. Uh, I learned a lot of patience. I also uh, ran into, came across from, and built a lot of uh, relationships that I think put me in a position to understand why I really enjoy what I'm doing. And it has a lot more to do with like I mentioned, the relationships, it has a lot more to do with the people that we're surrounded by and the impact that we can make on top of the wins and losses. Um, patience is one thing that I continued to tell myself in the first couple of years at Clark. And 
it doesn't happen overnight and there has to be trust built and trust also can't be built overnight. And when you're a coach and you come into a new team, you could be very similar to the prior coach that had been there. You could be very different than the prior coach that had been there. But no matter what, as a coach, your goals are always the same. Coaches are always looking to how they can win the next game. So I tried to get that point across uh, when I was at Clark in my first couple of years. Our approach might not be the same. We might not run the same offense. We might not run the same defense. But I promise you that we are. everyone's looking to win. How can we do that? How can we spread the wealth? How can we be hard to guard? Um, all of those X's and O's things. And ultimately, it came down to relationships. And in those in those six years, we built a, a massive amount of strength through our relationships. We trusted each other. There was a respect level. We moved the ball um, on the floor in or in ways that it didn't matter who got the kudos at the end of the night. It was all about how do we get the win, and um, that's what ultimately made us made us the toughest down the stretch. We. We came into the national tournament last year, and we were in a spot where we felt our track was really good. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit. Prior to that, the year prior, we went out to Stanford, and we played them in an exhibition game. And Tara Vanderveer is the head coach out there. It was such an incredible experience. But she is now the most – she is the winningest coach of all time on men's and women's side. And so I asked her – what does it take to be a national champion? Because I don't know what the coaches were thinking, but we scheduled them the year after they won the national championship at the division one level. So uh, a little bit crazy, but I think crazy comes with the coaching uh, title. So I asked her what it takes. And she said in front of the team, there are three things. It takes a trustworthy environment. It takes hard work and it takes a little bit of luck. And honestly, the trustworthy environment and the hard work, we already knew that we had developed. We already knew we had that foundation. It does take a little bit of luck. You don't want to play the number one team in the nation in the first round. That's yeah. not lucky. It uh, doesn't matter how good or bad they are in any given night. That's just not a lucky route. So what we did was we waited until the last game of the season to, to play the number one or number two team in the nation. Uh, so that luck really set us up. Um, but we, we became a different team. It didn't matter what we did going into that. The two games to get us into the Sweet 16 were harder, in our opinion, than the games down the stretch, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, and uh, ultimately the championship game. Uh, once we made it to the final site, we beat everybody by double digits, and it, like I said, ultimately it came down to the relationships that we had and the looks on their faces of, I don't care what I do tonight, but I do care that you're at your best. So if I put you at your best, we're, we will be at our best. And uh, we came off with a little bit of confetti falling down on us and a big trophy <laughs> to take home. So it was exciting. That's awesome. Well, you know, speaking of accolades, you have received some very impressive ones in your coaching career, including Women's Basketball Coaches Association 30 Under 30 Award in 2017, the Heart of America Coach of the Year in 2022, and the NAIA National Coach of the Year in 2023. Is there a mentor or maybe an approach that you credit for those early successes in your coaching career? Oh, man, this is such a hard question because I think from every experience that I've gone through, I, I have adjusted. Uh, there are things that I've learned along the way that there is no way I ever want to do those things. And there are things that I've learned along the way that that's the only thing I want to do. I want to try to replicate that as best as I can. And a, a cliche answer is probably going to be the way that I was brought up, my family. Uh, but my parents, 
my parents set a really good, uh, they, the foundation that they set in the respect that you have for people that have come before you, or they've done it before you, or the hard work that they've, they've put in to, in order for you to have this opportunity. I think opportunity is the biggest word that, um, comes to mind when I think of the foundation that they, they built. When you get the opportunity at that moment, that's the best opportunity that you've been given. So you have to take it and run with it. You also have to be prepared for that opportunity. So I think, um, my parents, I will credit almost everything to, but as far as the basketball and the X's and O's, every single coach that I've had, I will accredit the the quote-unquote passion. Some people say intensity. I like to call it passion. Um, the passion that I bring to practice and games, that has been found in every coach that I have had success with along the ways, whether it was winning that championship as a fifth grader, going into high school and being a state runner-up, um, going into you know our junior college and being a national champion, and then following that up and being able to be an assistant under very successful coaches. I have been very lucky, uh, going back to what Tara Vanderveer says, it comes with a little bit of luck. If I'm not put in those situations for that opportunity to succeed and or fail, because there has been a lot of failure along the way, um, I don't think that I would have created the importance of the the values that we carry on each team. So I I will accredit, accredit my high school coach. Um, he put a lot of pressure on me as a as a young athlete, and he just called me the other day. Uh, hey, you, we've got to talk about this, and you have to look at this kid, and you've got to get this person on your team. And uh, so he's still cheering from me from afar, which is really cool. Jerry Jerome, he's still in Keokuk. He's a big name. He's actually an assistant at uh, um, Illini West right now, I think. Uh, West Hancock, I'm sorry, West Hancock. And so those things, uh, they just love the game. They taught me to love the game. And then uh, my Kirkwood coach, uh, he is still there. He's still very successful. He's still doing it in the right ways, and he really builds that relationship. He's tough on the court, but he loves you off the court. And I think that's the most important thing I could take away. Well, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Courtney about how her coaching philosophy and goals um, interact with the status of the Quincy University women's basketball program today. Stay with us. You're listening to From the Hawk's Nest. QU Hawk fans never have to miss a game. Visit QUHawks.com and click on the media tab to find the GLVC Sports Network. It's available on both your desktop and mobile tablet devices, as well as four over-the-top platforms, including Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. All live and on-demand archived video is available free of charge. For game schedules and the latest news, visit QUHawks.com and follow Quincy University Hawks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And welcome back to From the Hawks Nest. I'm your host, Matt Bergman, and today we're chatting with Quincy University women's basketball head coach, Courtney Boyd. And Courtney, let's start talking about the basketball program here at QU. You're in your first season. You've had some wins. You've had some tough losses. Um, what's your perspective on how the season's going so far? inconsistent is the word that comes to mind. And I don't even know if I mean that in a negative way. I just think that that's who we are right now. We came into this season and the first semester of this season, we were winning games here and there. We were winning games that we should have won. 
Um, but we were not turning the corner for what we needed to do to keep the games close, to give ourselves a chance in the first semester. We just went through stats as a staff, honestly, a couple hours ago. And in the first semester, we were losing the games we were losing. We were losing on an average of 18 points, which puts you in a position to have zero chance with two minutes left in the game. And so we were trying to chip away at, is it our offense? Is it our defense? Is it our substitution? You know, you go through all those things as a coach, and the first thing you have to do is look at what you're doing. Is it our approach? Is it what we're make? you know, um, is it what we're demanding? What's important to us? All of those things. So we tried, to, we tried to find little things that we could adjust without completely blowing up the system and making them panic and think that nothing we're doing up to this point is correct. I think come the second semester – Obviously, a little bit of time, like I had mentioned before, time time heals a lot of things. It, it gives you an opportunity to learn the person next to you. It gives them an opportunity to learn us as a coaching staff. But I think now we are in a situation where in the second semester, we have not won nor lost a game uh, within 10 points. We are losing on an average of five points. And we just had this conversation as a team three game, or three days ago. What can we do to find three possessions? Do we need to turn it over less? Do we need to make one more layup? Do we need to get to the free throw line? What set can we run? Who can we have in? All of those things. And ultimately, the answer comes down to consistency. When something doesn't go our way, we cannot take 30 seconds of a play off because that turns into two more possessions for the other team. When something does go our, play, our way, we cannot um, celebrate for 30 seconds because mm. they turn that into success for them. So that is something that we are recognizing day in and day out. Um, and, I mean, last night was a, was a great example of what happened with us and how that happened. We took plays off in the first half. We were not the team we wanted to be. We are also not the team we thought was going to show up. With what was the stat? With eight minutes left in the third quarter, we were down 29 points. Uh, almost almost one of those where you're like, just get us out of here, and then we'll pr- prep for our next game, our next opponent. <laughs> and slowly but surely, we start to chip away. Uh, you know, Coach Brooke, our assistant coach, says that we need to be delusionally uh, believe. We need to delusionally believe that we can come back, and we start to chip away. And before you know it, with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, we're up two. A 31-point swing is a little bit unheard of yeah. <laughs> in the game of women's basketball, and we made that happen. So those are things that I am excited about. Those are the strides that we are excited about. And the the couple of goals that we have left on the season are, very, are, are all very attainable. So we are improving. We are seeing that camaraderie um, become important down the stretch, and we are starting to believe that no matter who steps on the floor as our opponent, we can win. We just have to start to figure out how to do that sooner than six minutes left in the game. You know, those successes and failures are often closely related to team chemistry. How do your student athletes connect with one another? That, that, had you asked me a semester ago, I would not, I'm not sure if I would know the answer to that. Um, we had seven returners. We brought in seven newbies. And we have four new coaches on the staff. And so how we connect is a loaded question. Uh, We are coming from a group of people that had a coach prior that did things in way X. We have a group of people that we're bringing in, seven newbies that have never played together, nor half of them haven't played college basketball. All seven of them came from a different coach that did things 
in ways B, C, D, and E. And then we had four coaches, and luckily I was able to bring my, one of my assistants, Dale Linderwell, with me from Clark, so he knew my antics a little bit, which helps. Uh, we brought uh, Skylar Culbertson, our graduate assistant, with from Clark. She was our starting point guard for the last three years. And then we brought in uh, Brooke Bailey from Hillsdale College, who used to play at Truman, and we're also trying to figure out how we connect, let alone how our team connects. So... Now we're in the second semester, and I would say how our team connects is honestly through what makes them have fun. And I don't, I don't know what to do day in and day out to make them have fun, but when they're having fun together, they believe that they are the best team on the floor. When they have fun together, they believe that they are, are the people that each other want to hang out with. When they believe, they think that, you know – cliche enough, anything is possible. Uh, but you can feel it in the locker room in on the times that they're doing what they need to do, and we're getting closer to that, okay, I don't care how I perform, but I really care how you perform. And when we can fully get to that mindset, um, that culture piece just takes care of itself. But it takes time. It takes time, and it really does take trust. And earning that trust and creating that culture, um, it, it's not an overnight process. And obviously wins help. The more wins you have, the more you trust each other, the more you think things are going um, in the right direction. And then uh, as a coaching staff, we can take a step away. We don't have to have our thumb on everything so much, um, but we're also able to watch them kind of find a solution within themselves. And that's what we're hoping for in the last handful of games and then the first handful of games going into next season. Thinking about your, your approach as a coach, what what are sort of expectations do you have for your team and maybe for individual players? The expectations are that you come in and you play hard. Uh, we do not want to have to coach your effort. When you come in and you play hard, you will also play as a team because we do not want to coach people that think that they are are better at this or worse at this. Um, you will play hard. You will play t- together. And then the last thing is is that you have to communicate. And that doesn't just mean you have to communicate what play we're running or who you're guarding. When you're having a bad day, you have to communicate with somebody. When you're having a great day, we need you to want to share that with us. When you are in a situation where you think that you have a solution or you can be the shoulder for someone else to lean on, we need that communication to be happening on a regular basis. And we need that to be comfortable communication. When it's uncomfortable which I would have said was probably about four months ago. Uh, Nobody knows what to do, what to say. We're all walking on eggshells a little bit. When it becomes more comfortable, it becomes part of who you are. We understand who you are. We're not trying to make you a different person. We are just, just trying to mesh everyone to become the best group of people that we can become. And so I think that all of those things being said, um, those are the three things that we would like to I guess, put in our value system. And then when we're on the floor and we're playing hard and we're playing together and we're communicating the things on the floor that we need to do, uh, we need to make sure that we're playing to the buzzer. We need to make sure that we are taking care of what we can control and not worrying about all the outside factors. And then encompassing that, uh, they are student athletes at the end of the day. And you can't play hard on the court and not... um, play hard for say you know for say in the in the classroom you cannot play together on the court and then get out in the community and not play together 
you can't communicate on the court and think that if you don't communicate off the court that that's just going to miraculously turn on on come game day. So we really try to make it a an a full a, a full picture of what we're trying to to have them do. We know that the ball's going to stop bouncing one of these days. We know that they're going to stop being an, a student athlete and they're ultimately going to have to be a functioning um, the female in the world. And so that's what we're trying to create. But if you, if we can take those play hard, play together, um, and communicate, if they take that into their, their real life situations come four or five years down the road, we feel like as a staff, we've done something to set them up for that success. And I think, uh, those expectations could be applied really to just anybody in about any situation. I think those are, um, some good values to live by. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, especially during during the season, to be our guest today on the show. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thanks for having me. And be sure to tune in next time for another episode of From the Hawk's Nest, where we talk to Quincy University faculty, staff, students, Franciscan friars, and alums to learn about their QU journey. I'm Matt Bergman, and remember, it's always a great day to be a hawk.